um, or your regular Bible if you have that. But if not, we're going to have a giant Bible up here on the screen. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. Uh, this is a message to the angel of the church in Thyatira, it says. To the angel of the church in Thyatira, I want you to write these things. It says, the Son of God. It's the only time, by the way, that Jesus calls himself the Son of God. I think it's interesting. The only time in the book of Revelation to these letters, to these churches, that he calls himself the Son of God. So this is a special letter to a special church. He says, these things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. Wow. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Verse 21 says, I gave her time to repent. The uh, King James Version says, I gave her a space to repent. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you, I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, Many as do not know this doctrine and who have not known the depths of Satan as they say, I will put on you no other burden but simply to hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would just open it up to us today as we, as we uh, begin to examine it. Lord, help us to see Jesus Christ in your word. Help us to see how it applies to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, this letter written to the church in Thyatira has some unique distinctives about it. Uh, and uh, before I get into those, I just want to let you know the sermon title for today, which I've been doing for the past three weeks for this sermon series, all the sermon titles I'm having. You guys help me out in sharing this with some would call your neighbor, but I just call the person sitting next to you. Um, you can call them your neighbor if you want, but I just call them the person sitting next to you because I don't even know if you live in the same subdivision, let alone the same street. So I don't know if your neighbor is actually here in church or not. But if you want to turn to the person next to you or your neighbor and just go ahead and, and, I, want you, and I want you to make this shape right here. Okay, just take your hands and do this. Go ahead and do this. So this, is the, this is the shape. And we're going to go, we're going to go British for just a moment. You don't have to do the accent because you're Texans. You can't do it. So just go ahead and turn to the person next to you and tell them, tell them, tell them, mind the gap. I want you to, you got to, <laughs> you got to mind the gap. Does anybody know what the gap is? Anybody ever, ever been to the, the in, in London at the, at the, the train? Yeah, the gap, the gap is the space, like from where you were to where you wanted to be. And sometimes in life and, and, and in this letter to the church of Thyatira, you have to be reminded to mind the gap. Like the gap is a space that, 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 honestly, that honestly you can fall into. And I, think, and, 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 and I think all of us at one time or another have fallen into the gap. We've fallen into the space between where we were and where we wanted to be. Or maybe, maybe it's just me. Those of you who never fall into gaps, you can just go ahead and be raptured right now. Let's just, let's just call up Jesus. We've got some perfect people here. And uh, you don't need to be here anymore because you've already got it down pat. But for the rest of us, occasionally in life, we fall into 
a gap. Occasionally we fall into a place where it's somewhere between where we were and where we wanted to be. And, 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 and the issue is you have to mind the gap. You have to recognize the gap. You have to think about the gap. You have to understand that, that, that what this season or what this gap, what this space is. And that's what Jesus is talking to this church about. He's talking to the church in Thyatira and obviously he's got some harsh words, right? We just read that he's going to kill some people with death. He's going to put some people into a sick bed. Uh, there's going to be some, some, some ramifications and, and there's going to be some consequences. There's some, they're, they're, they're doing some stuff, some sexual immorality, eating stuff that they're not supposed to eat. They're doing some things that they're not supposed to be doing and they're kind of in that space. They're in that gap. They're in that place between where they were and where they wanted to be. And I love how Jesus starts out this letter, though. It's not all bad. It's not, it's, he's not just coming in, crashing in on them, saying, hey, you guys need to straighten up or else. He starts off the letter actually with words of affirmation. So all of you words of affirmation people, like my wife, you get really encouraged by this. Uh, words of affirmation. For those of us that are not words of affirmation, we're just like, yeah, yeah, let's just get to the point. But um, for Jesus, actually, these words of affirmation, but it's just interesting to me that of the seven churches that Jesus addresses in the first century, there's only one that he says, you guys really have love down. <laughs> Maybe it's something the church has been struggling with for a while. I don't know. But he says of the church of Thyatira, the only church in the book of Revelation that he says, look, man, you guys are doing a great job with respect to love. And I love that because honestly, that makes me think of City Chapel. I think I, I can identify a little bit. Um, with this church and and I can identify even with people falling in the gaps I can identify even with myself falling into a gap uh, there was there was a time uh, Ro and I've been married uh, a little over 10 years and um, the first like three years of that was amazing and then we had kids and uh, <laughs> we fell into a bit of a gap um, we, those of you, who, those of you newlyweds, you haven't had kids. I know you think this will never happen to you, but it will. Um, there's something about hormones, lack of sleep, constant crying that can drive you a little bit insane. And, 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 and oftentimes this is, this is a difficult time for couples. And for us, it was a difficult time. And I think really the way that I responded to this time didn't help me get out of the gap any sooner. You know what I'm saying? Like you can get stuck in a place of defeat. You can get stuck in a place of a gap for a while, depending on how you respond in the gap. And so it had been a couple of years that uh, we had just been sort of drifting apart. We were still doing ministry together. We're still married. We're still, you know, friends. Uh, we still like to have good conversation. Um, we, never, we, we never lost that. We were parents together, but we were not what we used to be. So we were somewhere between where we used to be and where we wanted to be. And so maybe none of you have ever been there in your relationships, but just hold on, <laughs> you'll get there. And um, I remember one night I was up about two o'clock in the morning praying. I was just like, God, like what is going on with, with like what? Like, and because, because we, had a, we had our fifth year wedding anniversary and so we went out on a date for the first time in like, you know, four and a half years. And... Uh, <laughs> We went to Cheesecake Factory, and it was funny. We just sat there, and it's like we didn't even know what to talk about. You know, like we're, we're, we're married. We've been married for five years. We don't even have anything to say to each other because we don't even really know what's going on in each other's lives. And that's when it was kind of a red flag in my head, and I thought, uh, <laughs> I thought we were out of this gap, right? I thought we were like things were going. And, 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 and so I was praying. I was like, Lord, what is going on? And so the Lord began to show me that I had grown bitter inside the gap. You can get stuck in the gap, and you can get bitter inside the gap, and you never get out 
Maybe I'm just preaching to myself today, but um, I don't know. But, but sometimes you get stuck in a gap, and, and this is where the church is at. You see, the, the church, I mean, they had some wonderful attributes about them. They had passion. They had love. They had, they, they, shoot, they had more. They had faith. They had patience. They had service. In other words, they were using their love to reach out to the community, to reach out to each other. I mean, they were doing some really awesome things. And when I, when I hear that, I think of City Chapel, because even just right here today, this is a good example of the kind of church that we are. We are a church that is always frequently loving people. Um, whenever folks come in and, and, and come to City Chapel and I, and, and I, and I ask them, you know, hey, what, 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 what was good about City Chapel? Don't tell me what was bad because I already know. Um, what was good about City Chapel? You know, beside the amazing preaching, what was really good about City Chapel? And 99.9% and of the time, actually, even beyond preaching, they, they, they're kind of insensitive people. They don't even mention the amazing preaching. What they mention is how welcome they felt, how loved they felt, how, how, how they felt like they had arrived home, how they felt like people wanted them there, how they felt like people wanted to get to know them. And I'm like, that's awesome because that is a sign of a healthy church when they have love. And what I, and what I, and what I notice about this church is that Jesus says you had... You, you, you had works, you had love, you had service, you had faith, you had patience. And look at this last commendation. Jesus says, and as for your works, the last are more or greater than the first. Like he's talking about progress here. He says, you started off good and you just got gooder. Like you've been, you, like your works, the latter works are greater than the first works. In other words, you learned how to love people better. You learned how to love people more. You learned how to love more people, to reach out to more people in your neighborhood. You improved upon what you were doing. And I, and I love that because, because to me, any time that you're stuck in a gap, you, there's, there's, there's basically two things that you need to do. And if I, were, if, if, if I were a person that made points for sermon slides and stuff like that, I would make this my first point. And the first point would be that, that, that vision or past, past, past uh, victories inspire future vision. Past victories inspire future vision. You, if, if you find yourself in a gap today, and maybe this, maybe this is actually not for you. This is for people who are not here. Um, I have people tell me all the time, oh, I wish so-and-so was here because this message was for them. And I think, but anyway, uh, uh, so I'm sure this is for everybody else other than you. This is definitely not you. You are definitely, I mean, you are just, you're perfect. You guys don't have any problems. But for those people that actually find themselves in a gap, it's, it's helpful, first of all, to remember right? To look back on some past victories, to look back on some past things. This is what Jesus does to begin with. He starts off with, hey guys, man, you're making progress. Because sometimes the presence of a problem in our life, sometimes the presence of a problem can be so overwhelming, we fall into a gap in life that, that where we are presently is so overwhelming that we forget what got us here. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's the only thing that you see. And, and I see this more and more with this current generation. We are a generation. We don't have a yesterday. We, like, 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 all of our thinking is about tomorrow. All of our plans are about tomorrow. All of our processes and all of our talk is about what is coming up. And we are not very good at turning around every once in a while. Maybe that's because we don't like what we see. But at the same time, even though you're running from something that's in your past, yeah, not everything's great, but there's some good stuff in the past that got you here. In fact, your, 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 your problems that you've, progress often leads you into problems. You wouldn't be having problems if you weren't making progress. 
Jesus says, I want you to remember that there's been some great progress. There's been some love. There's been some patience. There's been some service. There's been some works. There's been some faith. And by the way, what you started off with, now you're even greater than you were before. Like you are making progress. You're making headway. It's good to remember. Sometimes I'm talking about our minor rose relationship. Sometimes it helps in a relationship to remember where you've come from. Because, because if you don't have a yesterday, you don't understand the value of where you are. You don't understand the cost of what it took to get here. You don't understand the hours and the years and, and, and the effort and the labor and the sacrifice it took just to get you to the gap. The fact that you are here in this gap means that there has been this process of growth all along your life. Uh, last week, Ro and I went on a little double date with Dallas and Jill, and we were hanging out at some Hop, dot, hop Dotties. And, uh, oh man, the truffle fries at Hop Dotties, it's a good time. Uh, and then you got Tom's Coffee, right? Great shoes and coffee at the same time. I mean, who can beat that right across the street? And so we were just having a double date. And I don't know how we got talking, but we got talking about how we first met. Like, Ro and I got talking about how, you know, we, we first met. And, um, and it's, just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just cool, you know, after 11 years to kind of remember, like, the first time that, that we met, the first time that we held hands, the first time uh, that we almost kissed. We talked about that. Uh, that we talked about, you know, the first, like, all, like all the first time, sometimes it's just good whenever things are a bit dry in, in, in your relationship to remember what got you there, to remember the first time, because that, that'll help give some context to the struggle that you're currently in. It'll help give some, some basis for it. And even though it's difficult in the gap, it wasn't always difficult. Even though it's difficult right here, it doesn't always have to be difficult. And so it's good to remember sometimes. It's good to remember how, you know, there was a gap between us and I closed that gap. You know what I'm saying? I put a ring on that and uh, we, you know, we, we took care of that gap. There was no gap between us anymore. We closed it up. And, uh, you know, it's good to remember some of the times that you closed some gaps, some of the times that you, that you crossed some, some, some things and you did some, some victories that you had. And not only that, of course, all of her, my stories were about, you know, romantic, sweet stories. She always tells stories about how, like, she has her fa favorite 30-second story um, about when she first moved to Louisiana to hang out with me to get to know me better. Um, uh, and uh, she was going to live right next to me. I, I picked, up, picked her up at the airport. I, I drove her to her place, got her all situated. And, the, and, and, and then I said, well, okay, so tomorrow I'm going to be taking off um, because this is the week of Thanksgiving. So I'm going home to Michigan for Thanksgiving. We were in Louisiana. And so she always talks about how the very first time that she moved down to be with me and she, she changed her life to move states, to move to Louisiana to be with me, how I left her um, abandoned, I think is the word, abandoned her um, during Thanksgiving holiday, you know, and I didn't even think anything about it. And um, of course I didn't think anything about it. She doesn't even celebrate Thanksgiving. She's from New Zealand. You know what I mean? And it's, 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 it's not that the white folks didn't take out all the, all, the, all, the, all the Aborigines in New Zealand. It's just that they didn't sit down and have a meal with them first. You know what I'm saying? So, so they don't celebrate that. They don't, they don't get turkey and all that stuff. She didn't know anything about that. I didn't think she'd want to come, you know? I mean, it's just my family. I'll be back next week. But um, apparently it's also good when you look back to say, hey, I made some progress. I think I, I stepped it up a bit in the past 11 years. I wouldn't, I, I've never left her since then, right? Ever since we've been married. I've never said, hey, I'm taking off to Michigan to go to my family. I'm getting better. I'm growing a little bit. And she talked about some other slightly um, lame things that I did. But, but that was in the past. And there's some, there's some progress I can see that I've been growing. And I've been building up a little bit. And so it's good sometimes to look back because you can see the progress. And it leads, to, it leads to an understanding about the context of the gap that you're in. 
It wasn't always this difficult. It wasn't always this hard. You weren't always failing. You can't just always judge a book by the chapter you open it up on. Well, <laughs> you can't judge people by the season of life you walk in on their life on. Because they weren't always hurting. They weren't always down. They weren't always discouraged. They weren't always... And if that's true about others, that's definitely true about us. That's definitely true about you. You can't judge your own situation based on how you're feeling right now. You have a history. There's a historical context to the struggle you're facing. And I guarantee you, one of the best ways to get discouraged is to forget about the historical context of what brought you to where you are. So the first thing, if you want to go forward, if you want to get out of a gap, you need to turn around and look at where you were. You got to look at some past victories. You got to remember the faithfulness of God in your life. You got to remember the goodness of God in your life. You got to remember what God has brought you from, what he's done for you. And secondly, secondly, it's important that you don't waste the space that you're in. It's important that you don't waste the space that you're in. Jesus is talking about this lady, Jezebel. Most scholars um, believe that her name was not actually Jezebel. Um, instead, Jesus has kind of given her a, a nickname of an evil lady in the Old Testament. And um, some people think her name is actually Lydia, uh, but we really, we really don't know her real name, only that she is this evil person who's leading people astray um, sexually. Uh, she's leading people astray in order to uh, get into sexual immorality um, and eating meat that's been sacrificed to idols. She's, she's, she's been doing this for a while. And Jesus, Jesus calls them on it. I think it's interesting how the church that's known for its love is also, it, it's commended for its love, but it's corrected for its allowance. <laughs> so sometimes your strengths play into your weaknesses. Like the one church that's got love is also the one church that allows a little bit too much love in all the wrong places. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I just think it's interesting how, how your strengths and your weaknesses are going to sort of correlate. That Jesus is saying, man, you guys got love, but you're taking it too far. And you're allowing this lady, whatever her name is, you, you're giving her a, a platform to lead people astray. You love her so much, you, you, you accept her so much that you're now allowing her to do things that you know are not right. In fact, Jesus doesn't, doesn't uh, uh, incriminate the pastor or the, or, or the angel, as, as it says. He doesn't say that the pastor is getting involved in this, but rather the pastor is accepting and allowing this kind of teaching to continue. It's just interesting how the guy who's known for loving folks is also the guy who, well, he's given a little too much allowance for sin, for things that he knows are wrong. And, and, and he says, and Jesus says about that, I want, I want to let you know something that, that, that she doesn't know, that nobody else knows, but I want to let you know that I gave her a space to repent. I gave her a gap. Now that's interesting. I highly doubt that she got an email from Jesus saying, welcome to the 30-day gap for you to repent. You know, you get the subscription, uh, you know, thank you for signing up for Apple Music. You know, we're going to be deducting a million dollars from your account every month so that you can listen to music and not buy it from the musicians. Um, anyway, and so you get, you, get, you get a subscription update, welcome to the season. I don't think she got that. I don't think Jesus came down and said, okay, now this is a gap for you to repent. This is a space, this is a de designated space of time with a, with a designated purpose of repentance. I don't think that she understood that, but now Jesus is telling the pastor, he says, I want you to know something about this. I gave her a space to repent, but she didn't do it inside of that space. 
one of the saddest scriptures actually in the world, I think, is, is to hear about from Jesus' perspective. Now, this lady, she's still going on her life. She's, she's still doing what she's doing. But from Jesus' perspective, he says, she, is, she has crossed the expiration date of my grace. I had a space, and she didn't, she didn't know, I imagine. If she's anything like us, I imagine she was unaware of the space that she was in. I think one of the greatest dangers is to misunderstand the space that you're in, to misunderstand the gap, to assume that it's something else. And it's, and it's so easy to misunderstand the space because, because God is, is, is seemingly always drawing us, seemingly always reaching out to us, always calling us. I mean, you look back on all of your life and even as a, even as a kid, God was, God was trying to speak to me. And then as a young adult, God's trying to speak to me. And, and there's been this, this amazing space of, of grace that God is reaching out to me. But it's, it's a little bit scary to me that Jesus says, now I'm done with her. She's going into a sickbed. It's the end. There's no, she's, she has, she's, she didn't understand the space she was in. And it's so easy when you're, when, when you're, when you're so used to something, you think it's always going to be there. When something has always been there in your life, you think it's always going to be there. It's like me trying to tell my kids about, you know, when I was growing up, like, uh, we didn't have the internet, honey. Like, there was no internet. <laughs> and Matt and Micah just can't fathom life without the internet. You know, what do you do if you don't have Google? Well, like we did other things. We, we, there's, we had things like called books and, um, you know, we opened them up and we read them like it was amazing. And, you know, and we asked people, we actually looked up from our, we didn't have things to look down. We just talked to people. That's what we did. Like we communicated. We, and so, so but, but you try talking like to my seven-year-old, ever since she was born, there, there have been smartphones in people's hands and there have been this thing called the internet. But, but I mean, maybe I'm just dating myself and how old I am. But when I was a kid, like I remember I was 16 the first time we got a gateway big old computer like with floppy disks you know what I mean and we like we thought we had arrived like we had a computer that had access like to the internet interweb you know the 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 the, the world wide web and it was going to be awesome and there was like one game on it and it was uh, Oregon Trail and I died of like dysentery like every time I don't know I didn't even know what dysentery was but I was dying of it you know and like these little like little, little eight digit guys are walking along in this car and like like that's like, so, so, you know, I was 18 years old. I had a pager. Most of you don't even know what a pager is. You know what I mean? Like, like a page, like it's this little box that you can get little numbers on, like little digits, you know? And it's like, oh, okay, cool. I guess I, could, I should go to a payphone, which don't even exist anymore, and go call this person, right? And so, but, but what's crazy is you can get so used to, if it's all, this technology is always around you, you can get so used to it. You think it's always been here and it'll always be here. I mean, I got people, you know, like they're, they're like, that's, that's the video's buffering. It's buffering on my phone. Oh my God, it's buffering. I'm like, dude, chill out. My pager never buffered. You know what I'm saying? Oh, because it didn't have any videos on it. It didn't have buttons. It had two buttons. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, we can get so used to stuff that we take it for granted that we think that it's always been here and it'll always be here. And we don't even comprehend the reality of the season that we're in. We don't even understand the kind of technology that we are using. 
And it's just so commonplace and it's just so normal that we get so used to it. And if that's true of technology, it's also true of the presence of God in our life. It's also true of of having a church around every corner. It's also true of having uh, Christian radio and Christian books and and, and all this knowledge and all this Bible. You can pull it up on your phone and and it'll buffer for a minute and you can watch us online. If you're watching online, that probably buffered. So, um, you know, you probably didn't hear that, but uh, we're glad you're watching. Um, And and, and, and the, the problem is you get so used to it think it's always going to be there and this this lady had got so used to God had got so used to the conviction of the Holy Spirit had become so used to all the things that she was so she thought it was always going to be there she thought this is my this is my pattern right I go around I come around I go around I come around I you know I do a little bit then I come back and then I do a little bit and then I come but there was a season in which God said no you're not coming back anymore not because she's going to die but because God says I'm not going to draw her anymore She's going to hear stuff, and it's not going to affect her. She's going to read stuff, and it's not going to speak to her anymore. And that's the most dangerous place to be. Because even though you're alive, you're basically as good as dead. Because you're not going to respond to God if he doesn't draw you. God says there's a space. There's, there was this space. She misunderstood her space, and so she misused her grace. The grace that she had been given for that moment was for her to repent. She had been given power to turn around. That's what repent means. It means to turn around from what you're chasing and go back to God, to get out of the gap, to step back to where you were. There is power for you to do that in this space, but there, there, there's, there's only power for so long. And you, otherwise you will get stuck in this space. And I know many people that just get stuck in the gap. They get stuck for years, decades, for all their lives in the gap. Because they don't understand. They don't understand the, the importance of when God draws you. You ought to see that as a privilege. You ought to see that as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It might not come back around again. I mean, just think of everything he had to do to get you to this one point where he speaks to you. And maybe it's not going to happen again in your life. And so it's so important to understand that you have grace in your life right now to get out of what you're in. That if you're able to hear from God, if you're able to respond to God, that's his grace, that's his power offering it to you. But it is a limited time offer. It's a, it's a limited offer. There's a, there's a space for it. And instead, if we, if we misuse the grace of God, we'll often use, use it as a time to relax, you know, instead of repent. We'll use it as a time to, to chill out or to pull back or to, or to you know, uh, rest a little bit. Instead of repent, we often, we misuse the grace of God. And Jesus says, I, I, I don't want you to do that. This is what's happened to her, but it doesn't have to happen to you. And so as I was, as I was counseling somebody this week, actually, I was talking about, uh, I had a mental picture in my head. And, and uh, as, as I was talking to this person, I, I realized that this, 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 this uh, analogy isn't just for this person that I was talking to, but honestly, it's for, it's for everybody. Because uh, if, if you're going to get out of the gap, you have, to, you, you have to, yes, look back at everything God's done for you in the past. You also have to recognize that you're in a gap and that this, the purpose of the gap is for you to repent and get out. Um, but you, it's helpful to recognize how you got there in the first place. To recognize how you got there. And so to do that, um, I went to Walmart and did a little, did a little shopping um, to get a little prop for you. Uh, Matt and Micah didn't know why I had to buy it a carrot um, and a string and a stick. 
I tried to explain to him that in our, in our modern vernacular, we have a bit of a saying. And anytime there's something you're pursuing that you're never really going to get, uh, we call it <laughs> dangling a carrot on a string. Right. And basically, the, the, the idea is that if there's something you're chasing, that you're holding this stick and, and there's, a, there's a string and then there's a carrot attached to the bottom of the string and, 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 and you're focused on the carrot. So, so right, so you're, so, so, so you're, you're in hot pursuit of the carrot. The problem is every time you take a step forward toward the carrot, <laughs> the carrot takes a step forward away from you because you're holding on to the stick that's attached to the string, it's attached to the carrot. It's a simple analogy, but it's a great analogy for temptation. It's a great analogy for what Satan does for us whenever he tempts us into sin. He holds out you know, this is like the biggest carrot in the world. I don't even know how many growth hormones were pumped into this sucker from Walmart. Um, but it's I, like they just sprayed it all over. I don't know. But, you know, he holds out like, you know, a big juicy carrot. By the way, carrots are one of only two vegetables that I actually like. So I do believe that carrots are going to be in heaven. Um, carrots and broccoli with cheese are going to be in heaven. And um, he holds out this big juicy carrot for us and, 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 and he tempts us with it. He says, look, look, this is what you could have if you just step over this way into the gap and get this carrot. Uh, and, 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 and everybody faces this, uh, whether you're a pastor, a preacher, a politician, whatever, uh, a Sunday school teacher, everybody has a carrot in their life. Everybody has something that they are extremely drawn to, extremely attracted to, and it's not, it's not even bad. You know, some people are like, oh, that carrot's so bad. You know, pre preachers can often like, like deride the carrot for how awful the carrot is. I don't think the carrot is really even that bad because there's a reason why you have these desires. There's a reason why you have something inside of you that desperately wants the carrot. And I don't think it's all that bad. I think oftentimes it's good stuff, especially if you grew up in church like I did. Like for me, you know, ministry has always been a bit of a carrot in the end of a string. For me, uh, you know, that just, just that, that perfect place of ministry, the, uh, the, 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 those opportunities, um, uh, you know, uh, marrying the perfect, the perfect girl, which I was able to get that, so that was good. Um, but, you know, uh, like whatever it might be in your life right now, there's something holding out. Maybe it's a certain number in, in your bank account. Maybe it's a certain uh, uh, house in a certain subdivision. Maybe it's a certain school uh, that you want to graduate from. But uh, it's finals week, hello. Uh, and so maybe, you know, may, may, maybe, maybe, Maybe the carrot is a certain grade that you're going to get. Uh, there, there's always something being held out in front of us to distract us from where God wants us to go. And, and first and foremost, when we step into the gap is when we take the stick with the string and the carrot, we hold on to it and we start pursuing the carrot. But the carrot's not bad. In fact, in fact, I would, I would suggest to you, um, I, was, I was talking to, to Madden and Micah, they were asking me why I had to buy this stuff. And I said, well, I'm trying to tell people about, about, about how they're always chasing after stuff, but they're never, they're never satisfied. Because, because honestly, the carrot is not the carrot. The carrot is a lie. The, 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 the issue is not the issue. The thing is not the thing. I can probably name exactly what the carrot is in each and every one of our lives, and it might offend some people, but I'll just tell you what it is. The carrot, I believe, is, is a chemical called dopamine. <laughs> the dopamine is the chemical in your brain that's released whenever you taste something really good. It's, a, it's the pleasure chemical. So you like, you know, like we went, we went to Gordo's on our date night this week, and uh, I got some, and some, with a, like a maple syrup, fried chicken, and a donut. It was like 
Mm, Lord, gee, he's coming. He's coming in a Honda. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was good. And I, I tasted that, and, and I, I had dopamine. You know what I mean? Like dopamine started being released in my head. Dopamine is the, is, it's the pleasure chemical. It's, 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 whenever, it's whenever something like that you really like, or you know, that first sip of, 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 of espresso, or you got four shots and a little bit of half and half to cut it, and mm, it's good stuff uh, from Radio Coffee. That's what I'm talking about. And so it's just good stuff. You know, it's like... It's the first, like that taste, that whatever is dopamine, and that's why, and that's why, honestly, that dopamine is very addictive. That's why sugar is so addictive, because 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 you can become addicted to food because every time you eat it, you feel you feel dopamine. It releases dopamine in your head. Uh, dopamine is also what dope does for you. Dope releases dopamine in your head. It tells your body, hey, everything's good. It's what it's what alcohol does. It's what cigarettes does. Gambling releases some 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 excitement, dopamine in your head. I mean, all the stuff that you can think of that's addictive, what it's doing is producing dopamine in your head. And dopamine's not bad. Dopamine's a chemical that God made for your body to tell your body, this is good. I like this. This is great. The issue though is that's really what we're chasing. We're chasing that feeling of, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's good. We're, we're, that's, that's the thing on the end of each and every one of our strings that's on the end of a stick that we're chasing after. And as I talked to Madden about it, I, she, she assumed that it was this thing she wanted for Christmas. Um, oh yeah, that's probably the thing I want for Christmas. I said, no, 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 the thing you want for Christmas if your grandparents are generous enough, you're going to get it. Um, but, but, but no, like you can get that, but, that then, but then you don't really get it. Like you always get close to it. You always get it for a second. Like even, like even if, say, like the perfect mate, maybe that's the carrot on the end of your stick, and you just can't wait to meet the perfect mate, and, and he's going to be amazing, she's going to be amazing, whatever. And, 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 you just, and even if you meet the perfect mate and marry the perfect mate, you will still not have a perfect spouse. Because five minutes later, they will not be perfect anymore. And so you're still saying, well, he's a work in progress, you know. <laughs> We're, you know, well, yeah, she's still trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to be a homemaker. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you're, you're still trying to figure out what that is because you were so close to it. It was like, it was there, you know, we said our vows and man, it was awesome. But then like the honeymoon was over and then suddenly it just was kind of out of our reach a little bit. So we, so we walk a little further and we keep pursuing it. And this is how we get stuck in the gap. This is how we fall into the gap. And this is how we get stuck in because we we're constantly pursuing dopamine, whatever could give us dopamine. And, and, and what's interesting about our generation, we have so many ways to get dopamine. You get dopamine chemical in your brain every time, I just heard somebody's cell phone go off, every time, a, every, every time a cell phone dings, the text message comes up, it produces a little bit of dopamine. Scientists are now finding that, that actually social media, every time you get a like and a share and a comment and, oh, you look so beautiful today, you know, like that produces some dopamine and it's addicting. That's why Facebook, social media, Twitter, that's why it's addicting. That's why you want to check it all the time because you get some dopamine from it. And it's, and it's kind of scary, actually. I, was watch, I watched an interview with Simon Simon this past week. It was awesome about, about how dangerous it is for like elementary kids and even teenagers to have uh, Facebook accounts because what you're doing is basically you're teaching them to get their social dopamine from a screen instead of a person. So they don't have to have, form relationships. They just look and they get likes and they feel better about themselves. This does the same thing as alcohol. You don't have to actually face reality. You just drink this and then you feel better about yourself. 
The same thing with drugs. You don't have to actually you know, fix your life at all. Just go ahead and take this. You'll feel better about it. You'll get dopamine. You'll get the results without doing the work. And that's what the carrot on the string is. It is this beautiful result without having to plant anything, having to grow anything, having to water anything. You just get it. And so that's why, like, whenever you feel, you know, down or whatever, you'll text, like, 10 people, like, hi, 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 because you want a response. <laughs> I actually had somebody do that. They, they became my Facebook friend. I didn't really know them, but they were friends with people I did know, so I thought, well, maybe I do know them. Maybe they go to my church. Maybe they're on staff at my church. I don't know. And, uh, you know, you, you, you never know. And so, you know, so I, I'm like, okay, and then I just forgot about them. And then, and then I get this message, like, late at night, and it's just, Hi. I was like, that's the creepiest thing ever. Like, what am I supposed to do? Do I respond with, hi? <laughs> what do you want from me? You know, and I was like, hello, how are you? Oh, I'm fine, how are you? Good, thank you for asking. Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle of something. Oh, you have a life? Yes, I do, I'm sorry, I can't. Like, I can't, so I didn't respond, because I'm like, what do you say to hi? I have no response, I just have no. And so, you know, like a few minutes later, the guy was like, well, if you're not going to talk, then why did you friend me? And I texted back, that is a good question. That is the question of the hour. And I unfriended him, blocked him right away. That's a brilliant question, dude. That's the best thing you've said all night. I totally agree with you. I should never have friended you. What was I thinking? So I deleted him. Um, so, you know, yeah, if you don't want to get blocked, maybe don't send me creepy messages in the middle of the night, okay? It freaks me out. Uh, but it's just like we were always like looking for this little slice of dopamine, and I, I some of us are a little more awkward than others. We don't know how to get it. But, we're, but, we, but we, have found, we have found ways to get our fix. We have found ways, whatever it might be. We have found ways to get our fix and get our feel-good moment. The problem is, it's a lie because it's just a shot of dopamine. It's not a constant flow. It's just a shot. That's why it becomes addictive, because I need some more of it, and I need some more of it, and I need some more of it. Whatever it is, it can be food. It can be, it can be, it, it, it can be likes and highs and comments and stuff. It, 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 can be, it, it can be alcohol. It can be substance abuse. But it replaces, it replaces a garden with a string. Because you're supposed to, I don't know if anybody ever told you this before, but you're supposed to plant a garden with your life. And gardens aren't fast food. Gardens aren't McDonald's. Gardens aren't something that you reach and get on a string. You have to like plant seeds and water them and take care of them and get some sunlight and all that stuff. And things grow naturally. And you get a lot more than one big overgrown carrot. <laughs> You get a, a food source. You get a constant flow. But we're, but we're drawn in by the, by the lie of, of a quick fix. And we're pulled, and we, we're constantly, constantly following it. However, after a while, we start to realize, honestly, that, man, this really isn't working out. And I think maybe this lady Jezebel probably figured out that this isn't, this isn't the fix I need. This isn't, this isn't doing it for me, not long term. This isn't, this isn't a, a long term solution. Because anybody would figure this out. Many of us, many of us, we, we start, we're in the gap. We start to realize this isn't working out for us. Um, I was watching a documentary. Ro and I were watching a documentary a while ago um, about email scams. Uh, and several of you, I'm sure, have got an email scam, right? You got an email from the, the, the prince of Kalafufu and his former father, Adama Fufu, was like a billionaire. And now he wants to ship you a half a billion dollars 
because you're going to hold it for him in a bank account. And so, you know, and it's always really rough English and it's always like, who would fall for this? Well, $9.3 billion every year is scammed from people via email scams. So people do fall for it. People fall for that. They, they, because, because it's not because they're stupid. It's because they're desperate. Like we reach out for the carrot on a string, not because we're dumb, but because we're desperate. Because we haven't planted anything in our life and we don't have any kind of garden going on and we're just hungry. And so we're like, well, I guess that's the best. Oftentimes people who respond to email scams, it's because they're in a position in their life that they're desperate. And they hear this wild and crazy story about $500 billion or whatever being transferred to their account and suddenly, hey, whoa, I could have that right now. And it's kind of far-fetched and it's kind of crazy, but you know, I mean, crazier things have happened, right? I mean, crazy stuff happens every day. And so they, they start to buy into it and they start, to, they start to go after it and they invest a little bit of money, right? They send $5,000 overseas for this person to do this. And we watched this documentary of people who lost like upwards of $60,000 and they didn't even have $60,000 to lose. They're taking out loans because, hey, uh, what's 60000 next to $500 billion, right? I mean, I'm going to pay that off in no time after I get my, 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 my money that they paint black and uh, ship it across Nigeria, you know? And so they, they think this is fine. And so they're using, they're, they're, they're using this carrot on a stick because every time they get a new message, every time they get some new hope, they get a new shot of dopamine. It's like, yes, this could actually happen. This could actually. And, 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 and these scammers, they play on emotions as well, not just financial statuses. They'll play on something like, hey, I saw, your, I saw your Facebook profile. I think you're really pretty. I'm a 19-year-old Russian girl, and I just need you know, somebody to marry me so I can come over to the States. And so some lonely 36-year-old guy is like, oh, okay, well, nobody's ever paid attention to me. So, oh, you need $1,000 to fly over here. Okay, well, then something goes wrong with the plane and blah, blah, blah. And then she needs like $2,000 to get. And, 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 and they start to play on their, their loneliness, their desperation. It's exactly what the enemy does. He says, oh, hey, I see you're really hungry for that. So here you go. You can have it. And it doesn't make sense. And they'll, 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 they'll tell you, I know this is far-fetched. I know I, I, feel, I feel stupid. I feel crazy for even thinking this is going to work out. But I was so desperate. Maybe I'm not even preaching about email scams anymore. Maybe I'm preaching about you. But you can get so desperate. You're so hungry that you're willing to buy and believe stuff that, you know, it's pretty, you know, kind of far out there. It's far-fetched. I mean, really? And this is what traps us because we, we start into this. And those, those folks in the email scams, they talked about how they gave like $1,000 or whatever. And they thought, oh, maybe just, just, just in case it might work. Well, the problem is once they gave a little bit of money, they were overwhelmed with shame and guilt. And they felt like idiots. And this was the biggest issue. That you're, you're like, well, why didn't you tell, you know, your granddaughter? Why didn't you tell, you know, your spouse that you were spending this money? Why didn't you tell somebody? Why, why did you keep it such a secret? And because they would say, well, I felt so stupid. I just, I, I felt so dumb. I felt like, like I just, it was so dumb. And if I could just get it, then I wouldn't feel dumb anymore. Instead, I would be brilliant. And they're stuck in that space, that gap between the carrot on the end of the stick and the wolf of shame that's chasing them. And they know if they stop, they're going to have to face that wolf. And they know if they don't take out that other loan and make that other uh, uh, 
transfer of money to Nigeria, they're going to have to face that wolf. Not only are they going to have to face their relatives and their friends and be like, yeah, man, I fell for it. It was me. Like all you laughing about all those, you know, Prince Kafufu, I was talking to Prince Kafufu. You know what I'm saying? So not only am I going to feel like an idiot to other people, but I'm going to have to face it myself. I'm going to have to be honest with myself that I blew $60,000 on this. That I'm never getting that money back. That I was dumb. And the reason why we don't want to say that is because inwardly we really believe that we really are. And so this, this thing that we did is a confirmation to us and to the rest of the world that I really am worthless, that I really am ignorant, that I really, really nobody could love me. And that's the greatest wolf of all, is self-condemnation. And the enemy traps us in this cycle, in the gap of, man, if you could just get that, then everybody would see that you really you're really not. You're really not dumb. You're really not a loser. You're really not a bad person. You're really not selfish. You're really not all that. If you could just, if you could just get that, then, 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 then it would validate all this, all this time you've spent in the gap. And you think the way to get out of the gap is to keep chasing the thing that got you into the gap. But really, it's because you're too afraid to turn around and face the wolf that's behind you, the wolf of shame. And Jesus says, I know your works. I know the progress that you've made. I know, but I also know what's inside of you. He says, I have eyes of flames of fire, which means it's like lasers. Like I can see through your facade. I can see through your excuses. I can see through your carrot. I see right through it. You're not really after that. You're, you're not, you're, I, I see exactly what's inside of you. And on the one hand, that's kind of scary, right? If Jesus sees our heart, then he actually sees why we do stuff. And he knows that we're often motivated. Even when we're doing good things, we're motivated by that selfishness. And, and so it's scary on the one hand. But on the other hand, I think for those who are wanting to turn around, I think for those who are wanting to actually get out of the gap, it's, it's so powerful to imagine that Jesus sees us exactly as we are. And he died for us exactly as we are. The, the great news of the gospel is not that Jesus, you know, cut the string on the carrot and gave us the carrot. <laughs> That's not the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus took away the wolf that was chasing you to begin with. That Jesus dealt with, not the carrot, the carrot's still there. And if you want to chase that, go ahead and chase it all your life. But you, 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 you understand how illogical it is. The truth of the gospel is that God didn't take away the carrot from your existence. He took away the wolf. He took away the wolf of shame. And so any embarrassment, any shame that you feel that you keep upon yourself, this is put on by you. Jesus Christ hung on the cross, took your embarrassment and your shame on himself when he was naked and he was there in front of everybody. And everybody said, man, boy, he sure couldn't cut it. The son of God, yeah, yeah, right. That's not him. He took the embarrassment that was for us. He took the shame that was ours in order to remove the wolf in, in, in our existence so that we could turn around, so that we could stop chasing, so that we could stop running after the things which destroy us, the things which lie to us, and we could actually step into freedom and get out of the gap. And so if you're in the gap today, I would just like for you to stand with me. Normally I have you like kneel down and stuff, but if you just stand with me, let's go old school. Let's stand, bow our heads for a moment, and I just want to offer 